Welcome to the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Robert Smith, along with my co-host, Adam Stellman. And today, we'll be discussing our Week 17 matchup against the New York Jets. Special shout out to Adam for taking this last episode solo. I was sick as a dog and he stepped up to handle business. So thanks a lot. Adam, let's talk Seahawks. I don't know if I handled business. We'll have to, we'll have to see. You'll have to watch the, or listen to the final result and, and then give your takeaway on that. But, but, it, but it was, I got I to gotta give you props because I know you've done a solo one yourself. Um, and you told me how hard it was, and I was like, nah, I can talk forever, no big deal. But then I went back and tried to do that, and so I was like, this is, first of all, not fun to do by yourself, and second of all, just really hard. No one to kind of go back and forth with. I'm just like reading down my list of things and, and going, did I do that one? Yeah, do I want to expand on that? There's no one to like feed off of. Anyway, I thought it was a train wreck. We'll see how it works out. Uh, but I'm glad to have you back. I tell you what, we, everybody, if anybody listened to the last one, they already know my thoughts on this game, and they're not all great, but... What, 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 what did you think of our, our Week 16 performance against the Chiefs? Wow. The Chiefs game. Well, looking at the schedule, I expected that game to be a loss. I think I even predicted it to be a loss. Yeah, I think we both did. It is what it is. The one thing that stood out to me, though, was how inept our offense looked. We had, I think it was 19 or 20 first or second down plays that went for zero or negative yards. You can't go anywhere if you can't generate positive yards in early downs. That blew my mind. We weren't scheming in a way that would set the team up for success. Yes, we actually had a decent run game. Part of that was probably the weather, but we weren't doing what we needed to in early downs. And I think it made the team play from behind, not just on the scoreboard, but in game situations. Yeah, which is not what this team is designed to do. Look, this team is not built to be a come from behind offense. It's not built to be a play from behind defense. Um, it was, uh, th- that's kind of been the, the story of the whole season for me is, or especially the second half of the season where it's just like, we can't seem to get out of our own way. There was a lot of news that happened this week though. <laughs> yeah, there was. One thing I think that stood out specifically for Seahawks fans is the Denver Broncos fired their head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. I, I think that's a strong term for, for to use for Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, head coaching seems to head coach seems to be or should be a title that's earned, uh, which he clearly has not done and did not do. Uh, you know, not saying anything against him. I don't know the man personally. I, I'm not in the Denver Broncos organization. I don't know what it's like behind the scenes. But what's been on film for people to watch has been a pretty pretty much a, a, an unequivocal disaster. So, not a surprising firing, I guess is my is my point. No, I thought it would wait till the end of the season. I'm not a big fan of in season firings. Just in general, it's hard to get a quality candidate in unless you have a coordinator that you're pretty sure has a good shot to get the job eventually. Then that's a way to get them in there. I mean, look at Carolina after they fired Matt Rule. They actually took off and it was a good thing for the team. That rarely happens. We'll see what happens in Denver. I mean, they hired Nathaniel Hackett because they were targeting Aaron Rodgers and that never happened. And he's a guy that Aaron Rodgers likes. So look for look for Nathaniel Hackett to be returning to the Green Bay organization next season only for Green Bay to then announce they're trading Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's in the, in the, in the what if L. Exactly. But yeah, so we'll see how that works out. Also in other news, not really Seahawks noteworthy, but just to keep an eye on quarterback, Derek Carr was benched by the Raiders. Yeah, this, uh, this is actually a little bit more surprising. Look, Derek, the, the Raiders have not 
looked good this season. Uh, but Derek Carr is not the reason why they haven't looked good this season. Uh, I think that offense is a mess. Uh, they they don't seem to know where to go, or at least up until recently, they didn't seem to know where to go with the ball if Devontae Adams was taken away. Uh, they've done better the last couple of weeks. Derek Carr has been able to spread the ball around. Darren Waller's back. Hollins uh, has really stepped up as that wide receiver too. Uh, I thought they looked had looked a lot better the last couple of weeks. Uh, the thing that kills or that surprises me, uh, and this is just a report, it's it's all hearsay. They they didn't cite a source, but there is reporting coming out from someone who apparently has has an insider or or knows an insider for the team that says not only was Derek Carr benched, but he has been asked by the team to stay away from the facilities for the last two weeks of the season so he's not a distraction. Yeah, my thoughts on that, if I were Derek Carr, I would show up at work tomorrow. You know, Oh, yeah. I'd be there every day. Yeah, this is one of those where, no, I'm not going to make it easy for you. There's a no-trade clause in my contract. I'm going to show up, and if you want me out of the building, you're going to cut me, so you have to pay me everything that you're owed. I'm not restructuring. Do what you got to do. But if you want to get rid of me, you're going to get rid of me the right way. Yeah, Derek Carr should not be doing that organization any favors as far as restructuring or making it easy for them to trade. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think he should make it extremely hard for them. Him and Devontae Adams are best friends. Uh, that the only reason Devontae Adams, and he said this, the only reason that he is in uh, Las Vegas is because of Derek Carr. I would make it absolutely uh, the hardest I possibly could for them to, to get rid of Derek Carr if I were either or both of those guys. Yeah, another one we're going to have to watch. That's probably going to play out more in the offseason. Oh, yeah. Perhaps they'll utilize him as a trade piece to move around in the draft. We'll see how that works. One thing that kind of struck me, and that's because I have a lot of respect for this player, is defensive lineman and future Hall of Famer J.J. Watt announced that this will be his final season and that he'll be retiring at the end of the year. He, he said that he thought he'd still have a passion for the game at this point in his career. I think that's the biggest reason why he's going away. If the game just doesn't mean as much as it used to him, he's obviously got young kids. Uh, I think he wants to spend a little bit more time be a family man. And he has nothing left to prove. The man's a three-time defensive player of the year uh, and has been an absolute beast his entire career. He's still playing at a high level. Uh, injuries are the only reason that he he hasn't been a uh, the force that he was early in his career. Uh, sad to see, but congratulations to him in retirement. I hope he goes on and lives an amazing life. Oh, yeah. Best wishes to him. Class individual. He was always out there serving the community. He was one of those guys who would step up and do something not seeking recognition, but you knew that it was from the heart and he was doing it because it was the right thing to do. So best of luck to JJ Watt. I was kind of hoping for the the triple Watt players up there in Pittsburgh. Since you mentioned it, I, sh- I, I do want to bring up Mike Tomlin actually said that he was hoping to get JJ Watt in to Pittsburgh this offseason. Uh, he even threw out a number. He said, I was thinking two years, $40 million dollars. But if that, but if that's not what he's looking for, then I guess not. Uh, we'll we'll see what the NFL does with that. That's clearly a <laughs> a tampering violation. Uh, just on the face of it, I don't think anything's going to happen with it. Uh, obviously, it came out after JJ Watt announced he was he was retiring. But uh, but you're not the only one that was hoping to see uh, the three Watts all on the same team this next year. Not only that, but that would just be cool, right? Oh yeah. Imagine being a parent and being able to go see all of your kids play on the field at the same time. I mean, that's even hard to happen to have three siblings play in high school together, let alone any division higher than that. Yeah, I don't, has it happened? We know we've seen brothers on the same team before. I don't know. We'll have to look this up and we can use this for an anecdote uh, for another show. But I don't think we've ever seen more than two siblings on the same team before. We'll have to look it up. It may have happened. 
especially back in the early days of the NFL? Back in like the 20s and 30s when they only had, it was all from a farm town and they just got a family to come play offensive line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the no face mask days. On to Seahawk news. Pete Carroll said this week that they expect Boye Mafe to get more snaps. I have been expecting that for weeks and weeks. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, why? I've been expecting that for weeks and weeks now, right? Yeah, I got a little salty. I went on Twitter and I'm like, oh, funny how this is coming out now when all of us knew this after week one. Yeah. Like those first couple weeks when Daryl Taylor was having his struggles and Boye Mafe was seeing the field like 10 snaps a game and Daryl Taylor was missing 10 tackles a game. Well, hey, it, it, at least we're going to see it, right? Uh, I, you know, I mean, I guess for the stretch run, it's nice to get a better look at some of these uh, young players. Uh, certainly, he's look, he's earned it. I, regardless of any other, whether it was scheme or or uh, or other players not playing well, he has earned more snaps on this defense. The man has been an absolute force on that defensive line. All right, let's hope that that that's just you projecting the future when he plays defensive line next year when we go back to a four three. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I can't wait to see that because it needs to happen. Uh, No offense to Bruce Irvin. Love me some Bruce Irvin. I think he did amazing things when he came in, but I think his age caught up to him this season. They needed to use him as that 30% sort of rotational piece, and he's been out there as an everyday starter, and I don't think that's where he's at in his career. Look at what it's done that to, for Daryl Taylor to have his playing time scaled back. It's been a positive. It, it's it's been a net positive for Daryl Taylor and the Seahawks. Uh, I, I mean, he has been more effective in each of his pass rushing downs uh, since being taken out of that starting lineup. Uh, and I, I hope it's a trend that continues because he is a fantastic situational pass rusher, uh, but he's not an every down player. Daryl Taylor, I mean, not blowing him up. Yeah. So I think they're finally getting it ironed out. I think it's a little late in the season. I think film study and some analysis may have brought these changes to light six, seven, eight weeks ago, and it may have had a benefit to overall performance on the field, but we'll see how this all shakes out. I'm looking forward to seeing more of him on the field. One more thing before we move on, because I, I, I know we've got a lot to get to, but you, you've, you've, you've been pretty vocal about wanting them to go back to the 4-3. Uh, I just said that I would like to see them go back to the 4-3. Do you think that uh, and, and we don't have to talk about this, but just to bear in mind for you, uh, if we go back to the 4-3, do you think that that, uh, inhi- that inhibits the growth that we've seen from these these young players and the, and the people that have been involved in this 3-4 scheme? Or do you think it's going to be a net, uh, a net benefit for them to, to switch back? I think it'll benefit them. I think it will focus them more, but it also gives them the ability to gain some additional skills if we do need to slide one of those edge rushers back into a Sam linebacker kind of role. They have that ability already having played sort of that position. I think the only player who would really have to adjust who's currently on the roster is Uchenna Nwosu, and I have full faith that he could do that. So I don't see a problem with it. We'll see what happens. I don't know if they're going to switch. I think they should. I don't think they're too late in the process that they can't back out of it. But we'll see. It's something I'm really going to watch in this offseason mainly because it's going to kind of dictate draft strategy a bit, which will help me in my analysis. So now moving on to the transactions, and the Seahawks were very active in transactions this week. There's a long list. First of all, this one I think hurts the team immensely, and that is the Seahawks placed tight end Will Disley on injured reserve. We signed Xavier Crawford from the practice squad to the active roster. 
and then we signed safety Stephen Parker to the practice squad to fill that open spot. We also claimed defensive tackle Isaiah Mack off of waivers from Baltimore, and the corresponding move for that is we waived defensive tackle Davion Nixon, who we had previously signed off of waivers. We signed tight end Jacob Hollister to the practice squad, the man that we're all familiar with. He played a few years here in Seattle. I enjoyed him out there on the field. I think he did good things for us. Glad to see him back. Certainly happy to see Jacob Hollister back. It's great to see us bring in another tight end that we can underutilize in this offense. Sorry, I just had to, I had to get that in there. I believe that spot on the practice squad opened up because that was when the Packers signed wide receiver Bo Melton, our seventh round pick, off of our practice squad. Yeah, and it looks like he might be the only 2022 draft pick to not finish the year on this team. Which is actually pretty impressive. Very impressive. It speaks to quality drafting. And we've said before, we think this is one of, if not the best draft class in decades for the Seahawks. News broke today. We're recording this on Saturday before the game. That Marquise Goodwin, who initially was ruled as questionable for the game, early on Saturday, news broke that he was downgraded from questionable to doubtful. And then later in the afternoon, we got word that wide receiver Marquise Goodwin had been placed on injured reserve ending his season. Yeah, super big surprise for me just because it didn't seem like that injury was that that severe. Uh, Again, we didn't really have a ton of of updates during the week for that, Uh, but I personally thought that I was really shocked by that. Uh, That does, however, open up a spot on the roster, uh, and I think there was a corresponding move for that as well. There was. So the Seahawks went and they signed linebacker Vi Jones from the practice squad to the active roster. He's a player who had been elevated a few games. We liked him in preseason. I liked him even out of rookie camp. News that was coming out was that he was really impressing coaches. Great story for this kid. I really hope that he's able to get in there and have an impact. So yeah, congratulations to Vi Jones for making the active roster. And then since it is Saturday, we were able to get the game day elevations from the practice squad. And so for the game, the Seahawks have elevated tight end Tyler Mabry and wide receiver Cade Johnson. Yeah, I mean we're we're, we're looking at we we've we've been lucky enough to have a, have some pretty good depth, I think, uh, especially coming off of our, our practice roster. Uh, so we're we're going into this week as close to full strength as as most teams are at this point of the season. Uh, this obviously gives a little bit more uh, spot or shines a little bit more of a spotlight on some of those those newer younger guys. In, in uh, addition to Johnson. Uh, I think both of us are looking forward to seeing a little bit more from uh, wide receiver Derek Young, especially. And uh, we'll we'll see if Godwin Igwebuike uh, gets a few offensive snaps in addition to his return game snaps. Yeah, we'll see how all that works. We do have the injury report to talk about. We mentioned how Marquise Goodwin was initially listed as questionable. Well, everybody on the Seahawks injury report was listed as questionable. We had no doubtful and no out for the game. The remaining list after Marquise Goodwin was placed on injured reserve is questionable running back Travis Homer, right tackle Abraham Lucas, safety Ryan Neal, nose tackle Al Woods, running back Kenneth Walker, and this was the shock for everybody. Wide receiver Tyler Lockett is listed as questionable to return. And he's expected to play. List is questionable. He is expected to play. This guy has 10 screws and a plate in his left hand. Sorry, this side. Those of you, no one's watching this, but I just pointed to the wrong side of my hand and I switched it to the correct side. Anyway, that's that's insane. 
the fact that he's he's going to play in this game. I, that blows my mind. We need him, especially with Will Disley, Uncle Will, out. We need someone that's going to be able to move the sticks on third downs, but I'm still just blown away that he's playing in this game. When they said he was practicing, I was like, didn't he just have surgery 10 days ago? <laughs> yeah, he did. So really impressive. They said the surgery went perfect. It went exactly how they wanted it to go. Even better. But yeah, that's surprising. I say congratulations to him on healing. And if he can be a positive contributor to the team, that's awesome. Yeah. And also to all you Hawk fans out there that I see on Twitter and other social media platforms questioning Tyler Lockett's toughness, eat it. Yeah, exactly. How's the injury report looking for the Jets? The the Jets, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, are coming into this game very, very healthy. They have two people listed as out. Backup cornerback Brennan Eccles and wide receiver Jeff Smith. Both, both guys are, are way down the depth chart. Neither one has really seen a lot of playing time this year. Uh, they do have a few questionables that might be a little bit more impactful. The big one being defensive end Vinny Curry, uh, who is questionable for the game. Again, though, he is expected to play. Uh, they're in there. I believe right guard Nate Herdbig uh, is also questionable and safety LaMarcus Joyner. But they are coming into this game pretty healthy. So going into our five keys to success. Like we've said before, there's one that we're going to say every single week. And it doesn't hold as much power now that Will Disley is on injured reserve. And also it's less likely. But we're going to say it again. Because we still need to do this. And that is tight end usage, tight end usage, tight end usage. We need to get those guys on the field, use them as blockers, use them as receivers. Let them help either the receiving core or the offensive line. Whichever unit needs the extra help. Well, they both need the extra help. Let's be honest. Whether it's right, I mean, we, our right tackle's injured coming into this game. Uh, we are without our third wide receiver, Marquise Goodwin being out. Tyler Lockett's got one hand. DK Metcalf, he, not to say he can't be the focus of an offense. He is an incredible wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, look, you look at the difference between the beginning of the season and the last, or the first half of the season and the second half of the season, our tight end usage and our winning percentage versus now, it's night and day. We were running 12 and 13 personnel quite a lot at the beginning of the season. It has gone way down as the season has gone on, and so has our efficiency on offense. Yeah, and speaking of efficiency on offense, that leads us into our second key to success, which is we need to keep the offense balanced. We had a good job. Kenneth Walker went over 100 yards again last game. We need to keep the ratio, the pass-run ratio, near that 50-50 mark. We've had struggles in the in the run game. Again, I think that that's play calling more than anything else. We continue to, to run up the gut behind our less than stellar interior offensive line. And Kenneth Walker has shown, and, and not just him, but DJ Dallas and Travis Homer too, when they can get that edge, they can make big explosive plays. Walker is, if he gets out on that edge, the man is gone. Uh, so we need to be focusing on that. Uh, off-tackle run game. Uh, why we haven't thus far, I have no idea. But last week, we stuck with the run game, even though we were down late. We need to do it again this this game. And then we mentioned it earlier. The Seahawks did a very poor job on first and second down against Kansas City. So our third key to success, let's see if they learned from their mistakes. Let's see if the film was watched and the game plan was adjusted. Because number three, they need to succeed on early downs. I'm talking positive yardage on first and second down. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing there is uh, no screens on first down. No screens, period. They should not be in that offensive play calling at all. But yeah, I mean, look, we, we don't need to be getting giant chunk plays every down. If we can get one, two, three yards on first down, 
great. If we can get the exact same on second down, great. That's all I'm asking for. One, two, three yards, first and second down, just make third downs manageable because we have been terrible on converting third downs. Uh, and that's mainly because they've been third and long. Going back to last week, our defense actually played really well. I think we can go back four and five weeks. Our defense has not been the issue. So our fourth key to success is let's see if that coaching staff builds on last week's defensive performance. Keys to success three and four go hand in hand. If we can be efficient on the on first and second downs on offense and, and make manageable third downs, that's going to make sure that our defense is rested and is not put behind the eight ball every single time they're on the field. The, the only reason that Kansas City scored 24 points on us, our defense last week was because our offense was continually putting them in bad positions. Um, but our defense was able to hold them to zero points in the third quarter and only one touchdown in the fourth quarter. They stood up. They've been doing it week after week the last several weeks. And whatever our defense performance has been the last several weeks, I just need to see that again. The offense is what needs to step up. Yeah, I think we agree on that one. Our fifth key to success is that we need to capitalize on turnover opportunities. The Seahawks have forced a fair amount of turnovers this year, but we've also missed a lot of turnover chances. So let's see the defense step up. We need to force at least two turnovers in this game. I'll be happy with look. I'll be happy with one if we don't do give away the ball on offense. This last game against the Chiefs, there were opportunities. Tariq Woolen had two or three that he really he, he could have won that he definitely should have caught. Uh, but he's been you know man's been playing really really well. Uh, but we just need to make sure that we're already putting ourselves in, in position to get turnovers. We just need to actually capitalize. on So looking at the position groups between these two teams. The Jets don't know who their quarterback is. They have guys with starting experience. They just don't know who they are. They elevated a fourth quarterback for this game. Yeah, I'm going to give the, the quarterback matchup to, to the Seahawks. No brainer. Yeah, I, look, it wouldn't matter who was starting for the Jets. I, I think their best option is the guy that they are going to be starting, which is Mike White, but he's still not Geno Smith. Clearly, Geno Smith wins that matchup. As far as running backs go, I like Kenneth Walker. He's getting healthy. DJ Dallas is off the injury report. Travis Homer is on it. But I think even with those guys there, they were full participants in practice. I'm going to say Seahawks win the running back room as well. Yeah, look, if we're just talking about talent, I don't think there's a question that we have the more talented running back group. Look, if, obviously, if um, if Brees Hall is, is, is hadn't gotten injured early this season, there, we could have a conversation about who has the better, better running back room. But no Brees Hall, clearly uh, the Seahawks have the better running back room. For wide receivers, I went back and forth here. Tyler Lockett's coming back off that surgery. Yes, he practiced. They said he looked good doing it. He's been cleared to play. But game speed, game hits, game attention is different than practice. So I have high hopes that he can impact the game and play. We'll see. He's banged up. Obviously, Marquise Goodwin just went on injured reserve. DK's healthy. But our room's a little beat up right now. I had to give it to the Jets, so the Jets got the wide receiver matchup for me. Yeah, look, I'm right there with you. I, I wanted to give this to the Seahawks. My heart wants to give it to the Seahawks, especially with Tyler Lockett coming back. Uh, but the Jets have a very deep wide receiver core. They have very talented guys. Uh, you know, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, uh, Corey Davis. They're the more talented and, and, and at least uh, healthier uh, wide receiver room. So I got to give it to the Jets. As far as tight ends go, losing Will Disley hurt the team immensely but I'm still going to give the tight end matchups to the Seahawks. I think Noah Fant is a really talented player. I think Colby Parkinson can come in and help out in those areas that we're missing. So I'm going to give this one to the Seahawks. 
if the, if the Seahawks tight ends had been utilized properly this entire year, they would have they, they would be the number one tight end group in the league because I do think they have that kind of talent. Uh, but even without Will Disley, uh, the Jets they don't utilize their tight ends. They don't really have very talented tight ends. Uh, I'll take Noah Fant over whoever happens to be lining up at the tight end uh, for the Jets. As far as offensive line goes, I gave this one to the Jets. I think they're better at almost every position on the offensive line. Yeah, I, look, I, I, this is the first one that I'm giving a push on. It's actually the only one I'm giving a push on. And the really reason I did that is because I think that talent-wise, we have a more talented offensive line. I think that we have a very smart center, even though he's played way below his, his talent level. I think we have a really good uh, right guard. Uh, sorry, a really good left guard. Uh, and then I think we have two of the best young tackles in the league. Um, yes, they've got Dwayne Brown, who adds a lot to that offensive line, but I'm still going to go ahead and say it's a push. We've got, this is, this is a pretty easy one where both uh, have positives and negatives. As far as the defensive line goes, I'm giving this one to the Jets as well. I like almost every player they have on their defensive line. These are all guys that I thought had big potential coming out in the draft or that I think just fit really well in their scheme. I like their defensive line. Yeah, look, I, I like our guys. You know, we, you know, I think having Al Woods back is a big help. Quentin Jefferson's played well in relief. Uh, I like Puna Ford, obviously. I think Shelby Harris has done really well. But our we just don't have the talent. Their defensive line is definitely the better position group. As far as linebackers go, I'm going to give the linebackers to the Seahawks. They're playing well. Let's see if we can keep that level of play up. Yeah, right, right there with you, especially Cody Barton. He's really stepped up over the last few weeks. Uh, I, I think our linebacking core uh, stacks up really well next to theirs. And here's the one that people are going to roast me for. I gave the defensive backs matchup to the Seahawks. I think they're playing well. Yes, the Jets have a very talented secondary. The Seahawks have a very inexperienced secondary. But I think the Seahawks are going to outplay the Jets in this game. I'm really hoping that you're right. Uh, I had to give this at least the matchup to uh, the Jets secondary just because of the sheer talent they have on there. We know what DJ Reed is. We've seen what Sauce Gardner can do. They have great uh, safeties there as well. The matchup that, look, we could do an entire episode on the Sauce Gardner versus Tariq Willen conversation. Uh, we don't have time to do that here today, uh, but that is definitely the matchup that everyone's going to be talking about. I expect to hear both of their names called several times in the broadcast, uh, but I'm going to give it a slight edge to the Jets secondary. So Adam, do you have a prediction for this game? I do. And I, I look, this is a tough one to predict. I, the, the Seahawks especially have been really hard for me uh, the, these last five, six games to figure out what they're going to be able to, to accomplish on offense. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, my projection for this game is based solely on my wish and hope that the Seahawks coaching staff is able to write the ship for these last two games. Uh, I don't know that I want the Seahawks to win this game, but I, I do think they're going to win this game. My my prediction is Seahawks 27, Jets 23. We're able to just generate a little bit more on offense, and that's uh, definitely uh, with the caveat that we get a turnover and capitalize on it. My prediction is a little larger of a gap than yours. And this is a shout-out to all the Jets fans out there. <laughs> Especially those Jets fans who thought they'd take to Twitter to roast me for a little bit of a, a comment that I had when I basically said that Sauce Gardner doesn't deserve to be in the top five NFL cornerback conversation. I may have gone a little far saying that he wasn't even the best corner on his team, which I don't think he is. He's not. DJ Reed's the better corner. He might have the higher ceiling. He might of have he, of course he the does. more natural ability. But as far as experience and being able to handle NFL offenses, he is not the better corner on his team. So, for all you Jets fans out there, 
Here's my prediction for the game, and that's New York Jets, 17, Seattle Seahawks, 28. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'd love to see it. I, I think the defense is capable of, of shutting down that offense. I, I, I'm a little less certain that our offense is capable of overcoming that defense. Uh, but, uh, look, I think you know, we're both predicting a win here. Uh, we're both predicting um, a, a fair, fairly close game, if you will. Uh, yours, obviously, a little bit more of a gap uh, being two scores. But um, I do expect the Seahawks to pull out the win here. If they don't pull out this win, we're out of the playoffs. I think that's that's the that's the big takeaway here. We are in a must-win situation. We have to win the next two games to even have a shot at the playoffs. Uh, we also need help because we, you know, in addition to winning our next two games, the Lions have to drop a game, and the, the Commanders and Giants both have to lose out for us to make the playoffs. But I think this team. I, I mean, we're, we're I hope and pray that we come to play. Uh, if we don't make the playoffs this year, this will be the first time uh, in the in the history of the of the Pete Carroll era that we've missed the playoffs in back-to-back seasons. Yeah, I think this one is really make or break, like you said. It's tough. I think back to that year that the Seahawks won the NFC West with the 7-9 and nine record. And we went from having like the 10th or 11th pick in the draft to having the 22nd or 23rd pick in the draft just because we made the playoffs. Is that going to be a situation this year? I'm not sure this team can win a Super Bowl. Do we want to make the playoffs? I don't know. But then again, I'm a competitor. I want to make the playoffs. Yeah, I I still think we want to make the playoffs, but... You got to wrestle with that. But anyway, thank you for listening to the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. We will catch you after the game. Thanks for listening. As always, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.